At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Okay, folks, let's get into it. It is time to preview Thursday Night Football here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. Alongside me for every Thursday Night Football preview, it's Matt Humans at MattHumans247, where you could follow him on Twitter. Make sure to catch him hosting Saturday Bet Prep with a slew of guests that varies pretty much every week. Experts all around the biz, midnight to 3 a.m. Eastern time, you can catch that. And then 9 p.m. to midnight leading into Sunday. It's Sunday bet prep. Same deal. Talking plenty of NFL, which we'll be doing here on this episode with naturally the Panthers and Falcons. And then make sure you listen to the whole episode because we'll be previewing some of our favorite spots early in the week for NFL Week 10. But Matt, pleasure to have you per usual. Uh, Maybe not as much of a pleasure to look forward to the Falcons and Panthers playing in this Thursday night game. Now, granted, the last time they played, it was one of the more exciting games of the year. Sloppy, you could call it, but exciting nonetheless. And Atlanta, for the second go-around, opened as a point favorite, went up to three. And before we started recording, because Matt and I are recording this Wednesday afternoon, Dip back down to two and a half consensus-wise. By the way, total open 40 in the hook. Now we see it up to 42 and a half. So uh, what did you think of this line jumping up to three and then now getting some buyback toward Carolina? It's awfully difficult to make a Falcons three-point road favorite. So I thought Carolina would get some play at plus three. And at uh, two and a half, you're probably going to get public play on the Falcons because uh, not many people want to bet the Panthers right now. Uh, they needed a Hail Mary to um, almost knock off the uh, Falcons in Atlanta two weeks ago. 
just saw the, the Bengals uh, run rough shot over this team a week ago. And uh, the, the Carolina defense was on the field for 72 plays in that game. And now you're back to Baker Mayfield, a quarterback, it looks like. So uh, both sides are a tough sell. And what you have here on Thursday night football are two teams that you don't want to bet. But if you have to pick one, which one are you going to go with? I think I would go with the Falcons minus two and a half. Uh, and only I only say that because the Falcons, like I said, they've found ways to lose games. They found ways to, lost to the, lose to the Saints at home. They should have won that one, the fourth quarter meltdown. Uh, they should have beat the Chargers last week, really effed up, effed up the end of that game uh, last week. So that's two home games against the Saints and the Chargers that the Falcons should have won. They're sitting here at four and five right now. Uh, should be uh, a better team at six and three. But I'll say in the underdog role, I, I called them in a column I wrote for VSIN this week, the hottest dog in the NFL. And that role, they are six, one and one against the spread as a favorite. They're 0 and 1, but they were laying more than three in that game. That was against the Panthers two weeks ago when they won 37 uh, 34 in overtime. Uh, Panthers just uh, a little bit tougher sell for me at this point. So even though I like home dogs, trust me, I'm passing on this game. I will have no action on this game, but if I had to make a pick on it for a contest, I guess I would lay the two and a half with the Falcons. Uh, Matt, so I do believe it is P.J. Walker going again instead of Mayfield, unless there's been a, a switch up as of late. I think that is who it is the last I saw, but probably doesn't make a difference really that's, that much if it's going to be Baker or P.J. That's hard to say. Actually, P.J. Walker's showing flashes of being a competent quarterback. I was I was reading last night that Baker Mayfield was going to be the guy, so that's maybe some misinformation there. Uh, but yeah. you know, obviously they went back to Baker Mayfield at the end of the Bengals game and he looked good, but that was garbage time, right? So uh, who knows? It's kind of like uh, just rearranging furniture in your living room. You got the same pieces and it's not really improving anything. It's just a different look. Uh, I don't know which quarterback gives them a better chance to win. Um, but uh, the Falcons, the way they run the ball, that gives them, I think, a better chance to win this game. And with Cordero Patterson back, you would think the Falcons are going to be more effective on the ground too. Yeah, so I'm just going to throw out some numbers here, and it really will just exemplify how sloppy bold teams are. But the Falcons, if we start with them, they're allowing 310 passing yards per game and 417 total yards of offense. That kind of correlates to a prop bet that I made with P.J. Walker, which is discussed in Prop Watch, also available here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast feed. Now, Atlanta ranks 29th in overall DVOA defense. They allow over six yards per play, which is second worst in the NFL. But as we know, you look at Carolina, a team that's been abysmal all throughout. They rank 29th uh, in DVOA, or pardon me, they rank 28th in DVOA defense. They're allowing about a buck 40 on the ground. You mentioned Patterson. Now that he got back in the mix last week, had two rushing touchdowns, expecting a big game out of him, also discussed on Prop Watch. And you know, Matt, you talk about Carolina, and yeah, they made it close against Atlanta in that first game, and yeah, they beat Tampa Bay. But I feel like, maybe not to the full extent, but what you saw against Cincinnati is more what I expect to see from Carolina on a consistent basis. Maybe not allowing five touchdowns to one individual player like they did with Joe Mixon, 
but in the sense that Joe Mixon, a star athlete in the running back position, was able to accumulate 211 scrimmage yards, and the Bengals put up 464 total yards of offense. Again, that may be a little bit of an anomaly, but I really think that's more the type of Panthers team you're going to get as opposed to them upsetting Tampa Bay, as opposed to them keeping it close against the Falcons. Granted, the Falcons' defense, as I showed, not the strongest, but I'm with you here, Matt. I don't think I'm going to get there officially, but under three or at a cheaper money line price, how are you not putting a little bit more stock in Marcus Mariota, Arthur Smith, and then Patterson now back in the mix? And also, you know, Huntley and Algier have actually been pretty viable running back options, and he got Drake London and Kyle Pitts. I just think the weapons reside with Atlanta. That would give them the advantage. And they're technically still in consideration to win the NFC South in a playoff race. So this is a big game for them. If you're not too afraid of uh, just facing a division opponent once again and on the short week, I, I do think Atlanta would be the right play. But kind of as you're mentioning, maybe a little bit too gross to actually bet. Well, I think you people are going to find a way to bet it. A lot of people are. And I'm not um, going out to uh, bet this game. But I would play Falcons minus two and a half. Just based on the principle that the Falcons have the number four rushing offense in the NFL. 163 yards per game. And a team that can run the ball like that. And has been uh, doing a little bit better job uh, in terms of the big picture. I think uh, that'd probably be the way I would go. But... Uh, yeah, this is a tough way to start week 10. A pretty ugly game on a Thursday night, the Falcons and the Panthers. But you got to get every every team a little bit of love in prime time. And that's why that's why they do it. Hey, the Commanders are on prime time this week, too. So. Oh, geez, yeah. that's right. Yeah, who are the Commanders? They're playing like the Eagles or something, Monday night, right? Monday yeah. night in Philly. Jeez. Yeah. Another gross Philly primetime game. At least the Texans kept it somewhat competitive. Not sure if uh, the Commanders will do quite the same. But, hey, Matt, going into NFL Week 10 like we always do, I like to get your thoughts on some of the top spots for the upcoming Sunday slate. Uh, I guess I'll start, you know, I won't be a homer here and start with the Bears game. I'll start with this Tampa Bay and Seattle matchup out in Munich, the first game in Germany. Look, I, I sweat the hell out of that Tampa Bay game. I, I took a money line, and I actually live bet them too. I was just like... Not dangerously, but just like disgustingly invested on that Tampa Bay side in a game that I shouldn't have been because of how gross it was. <laughs> so you get Tampa Bay now up to a three-point favorite in this spot, Matt, although you can see two-and-a-halves out there. Seattle, obviously the public darling right now. They keep winning. It's really remarkable what Gino and Pete Carroll have been able to do. It's a little weird because you have the international game. I still don't know if I trust Tampa Bay, although I would look to their side, but maybe a bet on the under would be the play here. 46 and a half down, now to 44 in the hook. I would consider an under bet, if anything. Did you have any interest in this spot? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's uh, it's tough to trust Tampa Bay. It's kind of like loaning money to somebody who's a fringe friend and you think you're not going to get the money back, but you loan it to them <laughs> anyway. Uh, when you bet on the Buccaneers, uh, I would... And by the way, I would advise anybody against loaning money to anyone unless it's a, a family member because uh, living in Las Vegas for 22 years, Danny, nobody's going to pay you back. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it goes. Um, I, I like the Bucks a little bit here, and I was on the Bucks in week nine. Not a great bet, but I did lay two and a half with the Bucks at the Westgate Superbook, and that was a two and a half was also the number in the, in the Super Contest. So I got a win there. I got to push it circa on minus three, uh, but the Rams, they found a way to squander that game. And um, 
I didn't think Tom Brady played that poorly. A lot of times a quarterback's an easy target for critics when things aren't going well. But if uh, if you watch that game, I think the Buccaneers had six or seven drop passes. Uh, yeah. Brady, Brady still, his accuracy is not exactly what it was, but it's still pretty good. And that comeback victory over the Rams, after that, he, is rank, he ranks number two in the NFL in passing yards. And uh, he's thrown only one interception and 398 wow. attempts. You know, so he he has been relatively accurate. Mike Evans has, I think, uh, been a real problem in the offense. He dropped what would have yeah. been that 64-yard touchdown pass on the second play of the game against the uh, Panthers. Uh, he, he had three drops by my count on, uh, on passes from Brady that were pretty accurate against the Rams. I think that uh, the fact that Bucks pulled that game out of the fire and rallied and uh, kind of found a way to uh, make something work in the offense uh, late in that game might be the momentum they need and the belief they need to uh, to push forward here and win a bad division because you got to be motivated knowing that, hey, at four and five, we're tied for first and we've already beat the Falcons. Uh, so we got a good shot to win the NFC South. And I think the Bucks. Uh, mindset's got to be dramatically different. If they had lost that game to the Rams, Danny, I don't think I would play them here because it would be uh, three and six. Negativity uh, would be seeping through every corner of uh, that locker room. But once you pull out a game like that, I think it, it changes your mindset. Everybody's a lot more positive. Everybody's feeling good. You go to Germany thinking, hey, we can win this division. Uh, maybe we found something that works on offense. So if you're going strictly by numbers, you're not going to bet the Bucks here because I think the number, the power rating would probably put this at a pick em. And uh, with the Bucks being two and a half point favorites, you're not getting value on this play. But I kind of feel like the Bucks are the right side. They got to get that offensive line straightened out. They did a decent job actually in pass protection against the Rams uh, for the most part, I thought. Uh, that's not something they're going to get solved this week. It just feels to me, even though Geno Smith has been uh, remarkable, he leads the league in completion percentage, 72.7. He's fourth in passer rating, 13 TDs, three picks. And Kenneth Walker has uh, picked up kind of where Rashad Penny left off, so the running attack has been uh, positive. And the Bucks' run defense has been bad. So if you want to make a case for the Seahawks in this game, I fully understand that. Uh, but I think the Bucks are going to find a way to pull this one out. I'm lean, leaning that way. I haven't made a bet, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a contest play for me. Uh, this week to use the Buccaneers, and it might be my fifth play in the contest, but hey, it gives me the reason to watch a game that kicks off at 6.30 in the morning, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. You nailed it with the analysis I'm looking toward Tampa Bay. A at three, it's not really worth a play, and it was kind of like our assessment last week with the Rams. We thought three was the appropriate number, and if you got it under that, like minus two and a half, Seemed like a viable play at the time, and it ended up being one, even though you had to sweat that out to the very end, and I ended up laying more on the money line. But that would probably be the way I would go about it as well. Um, I might get involved in that total going under. You got a run-heavy offense in Seattle who loves to get it going with Kenneth Walker. I know Geno Smith has been the most efficient quarterback, but it's not like he's killing you with a ton of pass attempts throughout the course of this game. And as much criticism as we do attribute to Tampa Bay, 
their defense still has been fairly steady. Like, they give up a big play here and there like we saw to Cooper Cup, but for the most part, they've been holding their own. It's that play calling from Leftwich and the receivers dropping passes left and right and the inability to get Leonard Fournette established in the ground game. And we know that Seattle's defense has been an immense improvement with a bunch of the rookies they brought on. So I may get involved in that under, but we'll explore that a tad bit more on tomorrow's episode when Mike Palm and I go through every game. You know what? So, uh, yeah. I want to say something real quickly because I agree with you there. The total has come down a little bit. It was as high as 46 and a half and now 44 and a half. And I think that's the right move. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 20 to 17 type of game. Yep. Look at the Bucks offensively. I mean, they're averaging about 15 points a game. And uh, like you said, the Seahawks, they want to stick this to the, to the ground because uh, they know that Bucks run defense has problems right now. So I think you're on the right track uh, with the under. All right. Good deal. Uh, Matt, we might as well go to the game that, of course, I want to ask you about. Chicago and Detroit, baby. How about the Bears putting up a 32 spot against Miami? Now, look, I know the Dolphins' defense isn't that great, but uh, Chicago's offense the past three games have scored in the 30s, right? I think that's what it's been because you scored 30 against the Patriots, um, and then I think it was in the 30s against Dallas. Maybe it was 29 or something like that. But nevertheless, the Bears offense obviously is developing a rhythm right now, Matt. They're the leading rushing team in the NFL. Uh, over 200 yards the last four games is what they've had. And we know Justin Fields just set the regular season single game record for rushing. Beat Michael Vick for a quarterback in that category. And now you're going up against a defense that, despite what they did against Green Bay and how they made Aaron Rodgers look, the worst defense in the NFL and terrible against the run. This is one of those classic bear spots to where they're a short home favorite and they'll probably end up winning by a field goal or something, Matt. But I'm going to end up on the Bears' money line here, I feel like, just to play it a little bit safe. Mm -hmm. um, again, Detroit offensively, yeah, they'll, they'll be able to move the ball because the Bears' defense absolutely stinks. It's going to be two bad defenses. Totals bumped up from 45 and a half. To 48 and a half, but Chicago at home, take that into account as much as you want. Uh, this is a spot after they've been feeling good with what they have done the past three weeks, especially last week. The expectations will be set higher. You'll be going against a very vulnerable defense, and I think this is a game the Bears will close out. Again, it's probably going to be a tough one to do so, but at the end of the day, I think the Bears get the job done, Matt. You know, I do too, and if you look at Jared Goff and his numbers at home and on the road, uh, dramatically different and the Lions offense in three road games has a total of three offensive touchdowns so the Lions um, have been a flop on the road and you know Danny you and I probably talked about this on the podcast each week for the first five weeks of the year it frustrated the hell out of me that the Bears coaches would not cut Justin Fields loose and you got to take advantage of his strengths and scheme running plays for him get him out in the perimeter and play to his strengths. And they were so conservative, they were afraid to let him throw the ball, afraid to let him make plays. If you go back to the uh, Bears-Packers game, if the Bears had not been so conservative with their game plan, if they were doing what they're doing now with Fields, Bears might have won that game. But the coaching staff screwed up the early part of the season, uh, I feel, for the Bears. And now they finally discovered, hey, if we cut Justin Fields loose, good things can happen. Wow, look at this. Uh, you, you should have known that a long time ago. It shouldn't have, you know, should not have taken you until, what was it, week seven of Foxborough to figure uh, that out because you and I were talking about it on this uh, podcast mm -hmm. every week at the beginning of the season. So I think this uh, coaching staff has to take some blame for really screwing up the first part of the Bears season. But uh, Fields, 
is dangerous right now uh, he, because he's playing with a lot of confidence. I, I love that run he had where he escaped pressure and he ran for about a 70-yard touchdown against the Dolphins last week. Believe it or not, or like it or not, I should say, that's kind of what the future of the uh, NFL is looking like at the quarterback position right now. You've got to have a guy who can run, who's mobile, who can escape pressure, who can get out and make plays. And uh, Justin Fields is that type of player. I mean, it's it's not crazy to make the comparison that he looked a lot in that game like Lamar Jackson has the past few years. And I know some people will scoff at that, but I don't care because a lot of people scoffed at Lamar Jackson too before he won MVP, right? No, you're absolutely right, Matt. And hey, if the Bears uh, could get a quarterback reminiscent or reminiscent, just similar to Lamar Jackson, you know, we'll take that 10 times out of 10 as Bears fans. That's for sure. Lamar's still a top quarterback in this league. And as much criticism as he draws, the Ravens win. And they're looking great this season as at this moment, Matt. Hey, Kenny, I also want to add that, you know, I'm not hyping up Justin Fields to be MVP because I've said this many times. If you if you cut him loose and let him play, he's going to make some mistakes. He's be you know, he's still a very young quarterback, mm -hmm. and uh, he is going to make some he's costly mistakes, but he's going to make a lot of plays, too, and you have to be willing to take the bad with the good. But I think uh, the Bears have found that if they let their quarterback play, that uh, good things can happen. And uh, so this game's going to be interesting because uh, the Lions have been so bad on the road, and I, I feel like the Bears are a pretty good bet, but you might be right. Lay the short money line price here because it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears won the game something like 24-23, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. But, yep, we'll be looking forward to that one here in the Windy City. Um, I, I, I could honestly ask you about every game, Matt, but I guess I'll, I'll let you choose, and then, you know, I want to hear which games are making your list. Uh, do you have more interest in the Colts and Raiders game? Because I know you follow the Raiders closely. They burned us last week. Or the Cardinals and Rams game, is there a more intriguing betting angle between those two that you see? <laughs> uh, I'm so ticked off at the Raiders right now, Danny. I, I can't even imagine putting a bet on them again this week. It's like <laughs> that Lady Gaga song uh, in that movie with uh, Bradley Cooper. What was that? Superstar or Falling Star? What was that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she had that song where she said, I have a million reasons to walk away, but I just need one good one to stay. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a million reasons to walk away from the Raiders right now. I can't, I'm so ticked off. I can't even see straight. I lost with the Raiders when they were up 20-0 against the Cardinals. Yeah. Lose with the Raiders up 17-0 against the Jaguars. Come on! It's oh. Cardinals and the Jaguars. If you're blowing leads to good teams, it's one thing. You're blowing teams leads against the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, it's inexcusable. So, no, I don't trust the Raiders. I can't lay the points. Uh, people are going to clown on the Colts all week for what they've done with Jeff Saturday and the uh, the rookie play play caller they've got, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Colts come in and play well against a Raiders team that uh, seems to um, be stumbling in the dark uh, right now. So I'm staying away from that game. Uh, I am going to play, and I have uh, well, I have played Steelers plus two and a half against the Saints. I like I'm that. You know, I was going to wait to see if that went to three. It's not going to three. So uh, I played the Steelers on a teaser. And also, mm -hmm. uh, I'm playing the Steelers in the contest of plus two and a half. I'm, I'm going to bet the Steelers straight as well. I just haven't made the straight bet yet, but I bet the teaser. Uh, the Steelers, I think, should be in a pick'em spot here against the Saints. Andy Dalton, he can't win. He can't win right now. And Jameis Winston hadn't played in so long. The Saints were clueless at the quarterback position. Dennis Allen... 
say what you want about Jeff Saturday, but Saturday might be a better coach than Dennis Allen. Uh, the Saints have all sorts of injury issues. They should not be road favorites in this game. And the Steelers are in a pretty good spot because they weren't playing well. But then they went into a bye, and I think Tomlin and his staff would get some things figured out. I trust the Steelers here as home dogs against the uh, Saints. Also, uh, the Chargers we know are uh, much better in the road dog role. you got to fade the Chargers as home favorites. You play them as road dogs. But, man, that team is so beat up. I did the write-up on this game for the uh, the VSIM Pro magazine that goes out late in the week, and I was having a hard time making a case with the Chargers. They have so many injuries. Rashawn Slater on the offensive line, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Joey Bosa's on IR. Uh, this, this team is just so banged up right now. J.C. Jackson was supposed to be their elite corner, and he's out for the year. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to play the Chargers or not. And you're going to find all kinds of trends that support a play on the Packers as uh, home dogs against the Cowboys on Sunday. But the, the Green Bay defense just lost their emotional leader, Rashawn Gary, who I think yeah. is their best player. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Aaron Jones, I think, is uh, doubtful to play this week or questionable to play. The injury situation is pretty bad for Green Bay, too. And it's not the same Aaron Rodgers. So all the trends from the past I don't think are relevant, don't necessarily apply to what's happening this week. But I do think it might be a decent time to catch the Cowboys coming off a bye. They're 6-2, and two, feeling pretty good about themselves. And uh, if Aaron Rodgers is highly motivated, I think the Packers would be the right play. I just don't know. Danny, you watch the Packers all the time. I don't know where Rodgers' head is at right now. He's, he's always calm, Mr. Cool. And last week in Detroit, he completely lost his mind and was throwing emotional fits of anger on the field. Uh, I'm not sure what to make of what, where Rodgers is right now. I haven't seen him play really as poorly as he did in Detroit last week. I've not seen him play that poorly in a long time. I'm with you in that game. Like The Packers seem like they would be the right side, but based on what we have seen every single week, there's no way that you can financially invest yourself back in Green Bay, I feel like. Because if they end up losing, you'll be like, yeah, I only have myself to blame. They had showed me numerous times that they couldn't be trusted. Again, it really depends what kind of Aaron Rodgers are you going to get because last week was insane with the performance that he displayed out there with those interceptions in the red zones. Like some of them just made no sense whatsoever. And as a Bears fan, you know, I'm jolly as can be. But from a betting perspective, I was like, what the hell do I do with this going forward? And I think a lot of it too is, you know, knowing that he had been contemplating retirement. He said he's all in, but realistically, it's, I don't know. I mean, they didn't really give him any weapons. Yeah, you got the young guys, but he clearly has shown a lack of development skills in new relationships. He doesn't like to trust new pieces. He gets his one or two guys, mainly one guy, and sticks to him. So if you kind of do wrong by him once, he'll forget about you. And now Dobbs, what? Dobbs is injured for a considerable amount of time, if I'm not mistaken. And That's yep. Cool. yep, he's out. Yeah. And look, even Watson back in the mix, they've only really utilized him on like jet sweeps and yeah. short hitches and stuff. So uh, what you got Randall Cobb and I don't even know if Sammy Watkins is still in the mix. It, it really doesn't matter. And Jones is banged up. And even if Jones is in, they didn't run the ball at all against Detroit, which they should have done. LaFleur is a bonehead, obviously, right now. <laughs> He's not making any adjustments. They're not calling any right plays. Right. So, yeah, I just don't see any viable path to backing Green Bay. But man, it's 
it's something else. Again, uh, us here in Chicago, we're obviously smiling about it, but I know everybody up north is uh, not quite content around Lambeau Field. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I do want to, I, I got a couple things for you. So one, I know you mentioned the Steelers. I like that angle a lot of teasing them up. Who are you picking as their partner to go with? Would you are you maybe looking at KC from nine and a half down to two and a half? I know you got to do seven points, but that could be a decent spot. You talked about the 49ers and Chargers teasing down the 49ers from seven, maybe. Uh, who's who's coming in on the other side with you there? I already put it. I uh, put it in. I put Steelers Niners. I knocked the Niners down to minus one. Steelers up to plus eight and a half. Uh, so. Yeah, I didn't want to uh, pay more on a seven-point teaser with the uh, Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the Chiefs looked pretty shaky on Sunday night against the Titans. Yeah. Too. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the Niners, if you're looking for value on the Super Bowl odds board, and I'm not going to say this is a lot of value, but I think the Niners are a team you got to keep a close eye on. It could have a lot of upside in the second half of the season. Yep, I'm with you. I took them plus 550 last week to win the NFC Championship, assuming that you know, the NFC is so thin, Matt, that really right now the Eagles and the 49ers are the clear-cut favorites out of that side. And then you could make a case for the Cowboys and the Vikings. you probably give the nod to Dallas because they have a defense, but still I would take Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. And then hopefully I'm just sitting on a plus 550 money line ticket with the 49ers if they go up against the Eagles. And then I could hedge, cash out, you know, do whatever at that point. But all around, I think the 49ers are, are one of the best teams, coached and just personnel. Um, speaking of personnel, Matt, this is the last one I wanted to ask you because I know you're passionate about it. So with that Raiders team, with that game, with everything, you know, McDaniels is getting a lot of the blame naturally. But I, I'm almost more ticked off about Derek Carr, I feel like. You're closer to this team than I am. But Derek Carr just doesn't have an ounce of a clutch gene in him, it seems like. And... I just they they go in a complete stall offensively after a great first half. I don't get it. I don't know if it's McDaniel's. I, I feel like it's more Derek Carr. Uh, who are they both going to be gone after this year? How does this work with these two guys? Well, that's going to be a, a tough question. It's a dilemma for Raiders owner Mark Davis because you're committed financially to those guys for uh, several years. I think didn't Carr just sign a contract extension to? ties him up for the next like three or four years. I'm going to double check that while we're talking uh, because I, I just don't think Derek Carr is a quarterback you're going to win with in the NFL in, in terms of uh, the postseason. Yeah, he can win some games for you. He can make you believe sometimes that, uh, that he's the guy. But after a while, when a dude's been in the league for eight years and he has not won a playoff game yet, there's got to be a reason why. Let's see, Derek Carr. I think it's a three-year contract, right? Three-year deal? Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's uh, it's going to be a three-year extension that signed in April for $121 million. I'm not sure. Jeez. Let's see how much of that's guaranteed. It's. I mean, you've got to find a team that really likes Derek Carr if you're going to move him. Uh, that's going to be a costly thing. And um, let's see, five years... Average per year of $40 million. Red ranks fifth among NFL quarterbacks. When you find it. It's just tough to get out. It's tough to get out from under uh, that type of deal. And you're not going to sign a guy to that contract either unless you really believe in him. So obviously the Raiders and McDaniels did, and uh, they're kind of tied to each other. That's why I don't get married, Danny. I don't recommend it. Because <laughs> it deals like that, and then you can't get out of them. If you're, if you're single, you can get out of any deal you want anytime. Uh, 
So uh, I would, I think it's, uh, I'm going to say a big part of it's on Derek Carr, but also a big part of it's on the coaches because uh, Josh McDaniels play calling, I think has been, uh, it was, it was too conservative in the second half of the game against the Cardinals. He was running on first down, running on second down, set up third and long, and you're punting the ball right back to Kyler Murray. Continue to be aggressive and do what got you the lead. And that's what they got away from in the game at Jacksonville, too. Carr had 223 passing yards in the first half. And then the second half, they come out and they start trying to run the ball. And they're going three and out, three and out, and kicking the ball back uh, and the, to the Jaguars. And the Raiders' defense can't get a stop. The defense, by the way, is not very good either. And Chandler Jones was signed to a big free agent deal in the offseason. He's not producing. Uh, so there's plenty of... You know, it's it's a similar case with anything when something goes wrong. It's usually not just one person's fault. There's a lot of blame you could spread spread around. I think that's the case with the Raiders. But I I don't think Derek Carr is a guy. He just doesn't play with a sense of urgency. Even in the next to last drive, I think with a little over two minutes to go on Sunday, Raiders got a legit shot to drive down and win that game. Yeah. And uh, what happened? It was 24-20. What happened? Carr wasted two of the plays on that drive. Instead of taking the easy, short pass that gets the first down and moves the chains and extends the game, he fired, He rifles a pass out of bounds. because That panics. was terrible. Yeah, when he panics under pressure. And he threw in the double coverage when Devontae Adams wasn't looking. That's his poor, poor quarterback play. And you can even go back to the uh, last drive against the Bengals in the playoffs when Carr takes the Raiders' offense down inside the 10. And you got a shot to win that game or force overtime. And what's Carr do? He makes three poor decisions in four plays when you got a chance to win that game. If you go back and watch it, it's just uh, inexcusable what he did at the end of that drive. And I put that loss on him. It's great that he got the offense down there in position inside the 10. But then you made three bad plays out of four. And you can't do that as a quarterback. I don't think his decision making is that good. His urgency is lacking. And uh, no, I'm. You had to, damn it! You had to ask me that question, get me worked up. I've, <laughs> I've been picked off about the Raiders all freaking week. That's uh, two losses I've had, like I said, with that team. Up twenty zero, up seventeen zero. Danny, in the old days, you bet the NFL. You're up fourteen nothing. You're up fourteen seventeen points. You never lost. You never lost. Mm-hmm. And now it happens all the time. It's happened three times with the Raiders this season. That's brutal, man. They owe you one. That's for sure. It's uh, it's been a mess. But man, you bring up that sequence. I like because I bet him too, so I was watching it, and yeah, it was like third and one, third and two, and he throws it out of bounds, and it's like, well, now you just set yourself up for a do or die situation here, and he threw it deep once again, and yeah. it, like I just don't get what he's doing out there when when the pressure's on. Is is a completely different quarterback. It, it's really mind boggling, but. Matt, uh, you know, if there's anything we can take away from this episode, what I've learned at least, it's don't lend money to someone out in Las Vegas and don't get married. I think those are the two biggest takeaways from you on this episode, my friend, (laughs) along with all your awesome analysis. We appreciate it per usual. Anything else you got, Matt, or you're ready to call this a wrap? I think the don't lending money part applies to everybody, no matter where you live, not just in Las Vegas, but so you can lend money to family. You might not even get it back from family members. Uh, but you got to be careful. 
about lending money. And uh, Danny, I know you got a serious girlfriend there in Chicago. Just don't get too serious, okay? <laughs> Good deal, my man. At MattHumans247, where you can follow him on Twitter, myself, at DannyBerg5. Make sure you check out the other episode we've got available here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast called Prop Watch. I go into my favorite props for Thursday night. We've got two of them, and then we look into the futures department as well. But that's a wrap, folks. Best of luck, and take care.